0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Color Calendar brought to you by Aura House School of Color and Light. I'm your host, Elaine Marie, and I will be your guide as we look through life's kaleidoscope to find the most colorful people and the most colorful events in the world. My guest today is Dougal Fraser. Based in Los Angeles, Dougal Fraser is a psychic and cosmic life coach. He was born with the ability to see and read color energy, and he offers color courses on his website, including Building Your Rainbow Bridge and Color Is My Prozac. Dougal has appeared on the Dr. Phil Show, The Real Housewives of Orange County, and Dancing with the Stars. Dougal is the author of the best-selling book, But You Knew That Already, What a Psychic Can Teach You About Life. Dougal utilizes clairvoyance, intuition, empathy, color therapy, interior design, and practical advice to help people achieve their goals and their dreams. From the day we are born, we are taught to use our senses of sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. But there's another sense, the sense of intuition, that many of us are actually discouraged from using. And this intuition is often referred to as the sixth sense. But I'm wondering if intuition really should be called the first sense, because it's the ability to to know the truth and to connect with the divine. What are your thoughts about this, Dougal?
0: I agree with you. I mean, I I think people think of the sixth sense as being something that's special and different and, and not everybody has it, but I actually think it's our first response to the world. It's how we connect to people. It's how we connect to situations. It's by far, if you can tune into it and if we choose to listen to it, it's by far the most valuable tool I think that every human being has.
1: So what happens when you don't trust your vibes?
0: I think most human beings don't trust their vibes. I mean, one of the things that I always tell people is that the most accurate psychic reading that you will ever receive is actually from yourself. But I think we are sort of living in a society where we are conditioned to believe that we have to look for outside advice to find our center or prepare ourselves for our future. And so there's this constant searching of something that's outside of us. But intuition actually lives in the stillness of our own consciousness. And if we don't trust our vibes, we end up getting into a relationship that isn't the right fit for us or we choose a job out of fear that we can't do anything that's bigger and brighter and perhaps a better fit or we, you know, end up in friendships that don't serve us. And so oftentimes when we don't listen to that intuition or that that sweet sort of gentle nudging of what's right and what's wrong, we tend to create emotional, spiritual, and physical roadblocks that are sort of unnecessary to our process.
1: Wow, good answer. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Well, we're going to come back to the topic of intuition, but let's talk now about your first experiences with color. When did you first notice that you could see colors around people? And were you able to also see colors around animals and plants?
0: So here, okay, so I have a few different answers to that question. So my parents used to say that by the time that I was standing in the crib, that I would talk about hearing voices and seeing colors. And my mother was very, very excited about that and encouraged me. My father thought I was crazy and sent me to a doctor and a therapist to make sure that everything was okay. And so I just always had sort of a relationship with energy I have a very, very conscious memory of being probably around the age of 13 or 14, and I was at a meditation class. And after the meditation, I opened my eyes and I could see the aura around every single person in the room. And part of my language, but it scared the hell out of me. Um, And I I told the teacher that something was wrong um, and that I, I couldn't see everyone's faces, but I could see colors. And she just quickly assured me that I was seeing the aura and the soul body and that it was okay. And it really continued from there. Um, I used to believe that I would only see color and energy around living things, like you asked, animals, plants, human beings, um, but oftentimes I'll see it around furniture, I'll see it around um, a piece of jewelry. In that moment, it, I'm visually seeing psychometry, that a, a an energy can attach itself to an item as well. The brightest light, the the most beautiful colors that I see are around living things. But sometimes I'll see things in a room that don't necessarily make any sense, and I just think I'm seeing lingering energy. And it, it can be around a couch, or you know, and a couch doesn't have an aura, but <laughs> it's pretty much the energy of the room gets absorbed by what's around it.
1: So when you looked at a rainbow when yeah. you were a child, did you see the same? Roy G. Biv color rays that we learned in grade school, or did you see something completely different?
0: I saw the same colors that we learned in grade school. The confusing thing for me was the colors that I see of the aura do not correlate to the traditional chakra colors. Um, most people are familiar with the Sanskrit chakra colors, which are the colors of the physical body. The colors that I use and teach and work with in my life are are the colors of the soul bodies. So it took me a very long time to find information that was matching what I was seeing, and it wasn't until I discovered a school in Dallas, Texas, that taught a meditation process that I started to really understand what layer of the auric body I was tuning into.
1: Well, I know that you see colors in letters, too, so I guess that learning your ABCs must have been pretty fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I am a clairvoyant, so color is a huge part of my personal interest, and it's the first layer that I see around someone when I'm tuning in for a reading, but I'm also a visual person in general. And I think if you're, you're sort of drawn to color therapy and, and the way that energy can influence your life, we identify as creative beings. I mean, I can describe exactly what my bedroom looked like as a kid. I remember the color of the sheets. I remember the wallpaper and the texture that I chose. Um, I have memories of, you know, the color of a sweater I might have worn like the first day back to school after Christmas break. I can remember that the color of my, my grandmother's couch and how that um, environment made me feel. So I absorb a situation visually. So what someone's wearing, the the images that I'll see in my head while they're speaking, there's so many different layers that clairvoyance sort of plays a role in my life. And that's just how I think my intuition and psychic ability manifests.
1: So I imagine that your entire life has been something like this one gigantic color playground. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever experience color overload? No, uh, that's a
0: good question. I a lot of people say that, you know, like if I'm walking down the street, does it overwhelm you? And it really doesn't. Um, I, I find it very relaxing. I find it very peaceful. Just because I see an energy or a color doesn't necessarily mean that I have to engage in it. But for me, once I've learned and, and sort of come up with the properties and what that color can exude, I will notice that A certain color will start to repeat itself in my life. For example, right now I'm in a very blue phase. So I've been drawn to uh, buying pieces of clothing that are blue. I bought blue sheets for the bedroom. I've noticed it more in my life and when I see it, it reminds me that at the moment I'm working on truth and wisdom, I'm writing a second book, which I often see blue around people that are writing, and so it sort of invokes that energy back into my life. So no, it really doesn't overwhelm me. I find it very peaceful, and um, it sort of gets me into the zone, if you will.
1: Mm, That's wonderful. As a psychic, how did you increase and strengthen your color intuition? For instance, did you ever write down a word like fear, To see what color surrounded that word?
0: Well, so for me, it was basically the the more I wanted to see color, the more I had to meditate. Um, I find that the brain sort of separates me from my psychic ability. And meditation and sort of finding stillness within the brain-mind and within my consciousness helps me access my clairvoyance. So the more I meditate, the more I see. As far as defining the colors, that just took research. You know, I now know that 99.9% of the time, if I see gold around someone, they are self-employed or they're thinking of becoming self-employed. Or if I see emerald around someone, that there's a communication problem in the moment. That just took research. You know, Seventeen years ago, when I started my work, I would look at someone and say, I see orange around you. Isn't that fun? You know, but I didn't know what it meant. Now I know that if the orange is dark, if it's opaque, they're having dizzy spells. Um, If it's bright orange, they're probably a therapist or someone that works with people's emotions. So it's really been research of what I've sort of, the notes that I've taken of different personality types and, and sort of life stories of what they're going through and how each color started to present itself.
1: But you don't actually have to see a person to see their colors, right? I mean, you can go according to their voice. Is that right?
0: So here's the weirdest part. I actually prefer not to physically see someone. So let's get like all new agey mumbo jumbo. So we all vibrate um, a sort of energy from our being. There's a tone. There's a sound. There's a vibration on a molecular level. I find that the sound of someone's voice is how I'm able to tune into the energy. So when I do a reading, I usually start off with a prayer, and then I ask someone to say their first name out loud three times. Sometimes if I feel like I need a little bit more connection, I'll ask them to say their date of birth. Now, mind you, I know nothing about astrology. They could also say, you know, any, they could say care bears three times, and I would—that would still help me tune in. It's something about the sound of the voice. It's the tonal quality that helps me tune into their vibration. As soon as I hear that in my mind's eye, I physically start
1: to see color. Okay. Well, I think you know what the next question is. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you hearing from my voice? <laughs> well, now
0: just, so you have two colors around you. You have a very, very light green, which we talked about earlier. It's kind of like an electric green. And then you also have a very deep red. So reds are the colors of the emotional body. It's someone that's compassionate. It's someone that identifies as being a healer. I always describe this color as being someone who's a warrior of the heart. Now, the positive aspect is that you'll always be sympathetic. You'll always care about the needs of other people. The negative aspect, though, is that you have to be careful with the heart your goal will always be to ingest the heart or the emotional body into whatever you're doing. So sometimes if I see that color on someone, it can be a little bit draining. So they have to work on balance and making sure that not too much energy is going out. But the color combination in itself is a good one. The other aspect of it is that people feel uplifted by you, which is fun. So they want to be in your presence because you make them feel good. But it can also turn into like a responsibility that subconsciously you may feel like you have to sort of uplift the room. And when you have that color combination, as much as you know you can do that, one of the things that people need to work on is recognizing that they don't always have to do it.
1: Well, not to put you on the spot, I did mention the word fear a little while ago. Mm -hmm. I happened to watch this YouTube video of you ziplining and I have to say that I really applaud your courage, particularly oh, yeah. since you have a fear of heights. And I do. There you were, ziplining. <laughs> <So>, yeah. <laughs> so tell tell our listeners what made you decide to strap on that helmet and face your fear. Well,
0: so that's, that's a very literal translation of how fear can block us from an experience. And wouldn't it make perfect sense that I'm not a thrill seeker, but my husband loves roller coasters. He loves the idea of things like zip lining. And so occasionally we invite people into our life to challenge our fear. So it happened to be his birthday, this is something that he's always wanted to do, and I wanted to be a part of the process with him, and obviously make sure that I wasn't stepping out of my comfort zone, and it ended up being a really, really fun day. I was proud of myself for doing it, it scared the hell out of me. Um, I was still shaking for two hours afterwards, but it was such a fun moment to sort of face your fear and, you know, how often as human beings do we literally get to feel like we are flying? I mean, as much as I was scared, there was also a euphoric effect as well. Now, I am super, super sensitive, so if I do ride something like a roller coaster or, or zip lining, you know, my friends and family laugh that I'm, I'm not kidding, an hour later, I'm still visibly shaken. I mean, my, my entire body is still physically trembling. And so I think that's just because I, I happen to have a, a, a relatively sensitive constitution, if you will, Elaine. Um, but that was an example of, I don't want to be held back from an experience. And this, mm-hmm. is, this is a big belief that I have with fear. You know, fear can be so profound. Fear tells us not to cross the street during traffic because we don't want to get hit. Fear tells us not to touch the stove when it's hot because we don't want to get burned. But fear also holds us back from fun things like trying to zip line or, you know, going swimming at a pool party with all of your friends or asking your boss for a raise or or asking someone out on a date because of the fear of rejection. Oftentimes it holds us back from intimacy, from power, and from experience. So, I try to set up situations in my life where I can confront my own fear. For example, I know I'm rambling, but I also have a huge fear of snakes. I don't care for them. Mind you, it's my Chinese horoscope. I'm the ear of the snake. When I went to a shaman and it was my time to get my totem animal, what does he scream? Snake. And here in Los Angeles, I love to hike. Just yesterday, I didn't want to go on a hike, I knew it was snake season. There were rattlesnakes, there were another snake is crossing my path, and mind you, you know it was fine. I had a great walk with my dog. But if I let that fear hold me back from that experience, I'm missing out on life. So I'm constantly asking myself, is this a grounded fear, a fear that's serving me, or is it a fear that's holding me back from an experience? And if that's so,
1: I try to face it. Mm-hmm. You and Indiana Jones. Snakes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, just because a person is facing their fears, that doesn't mean that they're not going to feel some anxiety. So I can't help wondering if this experience with the zip lining is what prompted you to create your online course, Color Is My Prozac?
0: (laughs) Well, Color Is My Prozac was my sort of idea of teaching people how you can use light and color as a focus to change your emotional state. And the premise is, for 10 weeks, each week you meditate with one color to really understand it. So for example, we talked earlier about you having this like deep ruby red around you. So for that week, as we invite ruby red into our life, as our visualization, as we use it in our meditation, we explore the emotional body. How compassionate are we being? Are we taking on too much emotions? Are we, are we clearing out our emotions? And each week you get a really healthy understanding of some of the 10 most basic colors.
1: You have another color course called Building Your Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Tell us about that.
0: So Building Your Rainbow Bridge, a lot of people always ask me, how do I access information? You Because know, the hardest thing to separate is mental chatter from a psychic impression. The same voice that you have in your mind that might criticize you or might feel anxious or might feel worrisome is very, very similar to the sound of the voice of intuition. So building your rainbow bridge is a way to separate and connect with your higher self. We understand that the physical self, our third dimensional self, is what goes to the grocery store and you know gets things done and functions on the planet. Our higher self, though, is the way that God created us. It is the divine aspect of your being. It is all-knowing. It is completely connected to all information at all times. And the process of building the rainbow bridge is learning how to step into that divine aspect of your being and then reconnect back into a grounded aspect. And when you connect that flow, you start to receive information. It's another 10-week long process. Each week, we build one leg of the bridge. And through the process, by the end of it, you've really strengthened your connection to your higher self, and you've learned to recognize the information and the messages that come through.
1: That sounds wonderful. It's pretty cool. This year, you were a presenter at the Women with a Purpose conference. I was Elaine. And you've done a lot I imagine that that must have been. A vi- I'm sorry. Say that again.
0: I said you've done a lot of research. <laughs>
1: That's my job. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> anyway, I imagine that that was quite a colorful event compared to men. Dougal, which colors do you see most around women? And how do you interpret these colors?
0: That's a very interesting question. So... In the past, I used to struggle, you know, we have so many sort of attachments to color. I mean, the minute we're born into this world, you know, if you're a boy, you're told you're blue. If you're a girl, you're told you're pink. You know, human beings want to attach gender to color. I don't believe that there really is gender associated with color and energy. So when I'm looking at a soul, whether it's a masculine or a feminine body, the soul still looks very, very similar. What I will tell you, though, is that women seem to have an easier time absorbing any color. They don't have the same attachments. But if I'm reading for, like, you know, a six foot four, 250 pound, like, you know, lawyer from Arkansas, and I have to say you've got pink in your aura, (laughs) there tends to be a visceral reaction. Men have a little bit more trouble accepting that we can use any color of crayon in the box. Um, but that to me is just society. I mean, there's so many projections with that. And, and listen to like our language. I'm so mad I'm seeing red. Um, I'm green with envy. You know, like we, we associate these, these interesting emotions and attachments to color that may or may not actually have any weight to them. Now, what I will tell you is there are feminine, aspect, feminine and masculine aspects to energy. And each human being is more feminine and masculine. By nature, it it all depends, but we have both. I see masculine energy as being gold. It's a mental color. It's a thought process. It's the energy of making decisions, of prioritizing, of organizing, of being independent. Now, a feminine energy would be silver. Silver is um, compassionate. It's the energy of the goddess. It's the energy of the emotional structure. It's the energy of mysticism. It's it's wisdom. It's, it's understanding. Um, so do, colors do have masculine and feminine attributes to them, but um, we all contain those within our being. It's not like I see more colors in a man or a woman. But I do think women are more comfortable using all of the colors that present themselves.
1: You know, I feel a little like a, one of those bobble-headed dolls because while you were talking, I just kept nodding, up and down. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I Not that you're my, getting... my approval, but. <laughs> yeah, I think men
0: are getting better with it. Like, I think yes. the tide has sort of started to change. And you know what's funny, too, Elaine, is I think you can actually start to see that in fashion. Um, you know, like if, if we go through historically, you know, what men and women were sort of given permission to wear, it's really starting to evolve. Mm-hmm. And, and you see trends with men wearing bolder colors and, you know, the, the quote-unquote stereotypical female colors. And I think those things are starting to, to sort of mix and those stereotypes are ending, which I think is really exciting and powerful.
1: I've heard you say that everybody has the ability to see auras and colors. yeah. And you also have said that you can teach people to see colors in 15 minutes. Yeah. How do you do that?
0: So, I mean, it, I, I would love to tell you that it's like this really complicated process that I studied with a scientist and, you know, we, we, we broke it down. It's so much easier than people think. In order to see energy, we have to find stillness. So when I'm te- teaching a workshop where I'm teaching people how to see auras and how to see color, I first lead them through the same meditation that I use every single day where you know we use light and color as a focus just to get our minds to be quiet. Then I pair them up with a stranger and I ask them to make eye contact for 15 minutes without speaking. And the longer they sit there, the more they start to see. And every person that has ever attended this workshop, and I've literally taught it all over the world, every person that has ever attended this workshop thinks they're never going to see color, and they all do. And then afterwards, we learn how to interpret it and what we saw and and, and how you can turn it into information. But it's basically what's been called before a presence drill. You tell the eye, the physical eye, to either look someone in the eyes or, or stare at something in a room and just focus on one thing and when the physical eyes feel like they have a job and the brain feels like it has a job the other senses become more heightened so you'll start to see energy in the room uh you know it can even turn in for some people into past lives and i always specifically focus on clairvoyance because that's the art that i love the thing that i find is interesting is people will come into the workshop and they'll see the most profound things and then they'll leave And and email me and say, I'm only able to see it when I'm with you or in the workshop environment. And that sort of echoes what I talked about earlier in the interview, that we constantly think it's outside of ourselves, that there has to be a deck of tarot cards or the right crystal or, you know, the right time of day or the right mantra or whatever it is. And it's, it's really not that complicated. For anyone that's listening, whatever your process is, to finding stillness and finding your focus, that is how we access intuition and being able to perceive, feel, and see energy.
1: Last question. Yeah. From your perspective, what is the color of love and how can we get more of it?
0: Mm, That's a great question. What is the color of love and how can we get more of it? (sighs) Well, I guess the, the technical aspect of my being first wants to say that typically it's, it's the color of the emotional body, which is ruby red. But I feel like that's too limiting. You know, if I see a couple in love, if if I see a human being who's so immersed in passion, you can't pick one color. You know, it's a kaleidoscope of energy. It, it, it's, a, it's a burst and explosion of different shades and, and different colors. I mean, when I'm when I, when I think of the people that I'm madly in love with, if I had to pick one nuance or one sliver, it would feel like I wasn't doing it justice. So if you will, without sounding corny, you know, love is like a fireworks show. You know, it's, it's different explosions. It's colors that merge and blend together. And um, I think it's probably beyond what our physical brains could even comprehend.
1: what's happening on the color calendar for May 2015. Anne Wakelin is leading a Children's Rainbow Color class on Saturday, May 2nd in Wainwright, Canada. On Saturday, May 2nd, Angel O'Brien presents her Power of Color workshop in Mosman, Australia. A chakra healing kinesiology workshop will be held on Saturday, May 2nd and Sunday, May 3rd in Chelsea Heights, Australia. An Introduction to Color Therapy workshop is scheduled for Thursday, May 7th in Mountain View, California. Amanda J. Miller presents a Color Experience workshop on Friday, May 8th in Balsall Common, England. Divine Space is offering a Magic of Color workshop on Saturday, May 9th and Saturday, May 16th in Johannesburg, South Africa. A Color and Kaleidoscopes workshop will be held from Friday, May 15th through Sunday, May 17th, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Anka Hellbach banks leads an Arasoma Quintessence's workshop on Saturday, May 16th, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Valerie Logan-Clark is presenting her Color Therapy Level 1 workshop on Saturday, May 16th, in Bagna, Regis, England. On Saturday, May 16th and Sunday, May 17th, Specter Hue is offering a Luma Light Color and Geometry course in Coral Gables, Florida. The Oristoma Society of New Zealand is hosting its annual color conference on Saturday, May 16th and Sunday, May 17th in Napier, New Zealand. Also on Saturday, May 16th and Sunday, May 17th, Tara Brown leads her Get Intimate with Color workshop in Larkspur, California. Generations offers an advanced chakra workshop on Tuesday, May 19th in Oxford, Massachusetts. On Wednesday, May 20th through Friday, May 22nd, the Color Marketing Group holds its European conference in Krakow, Poland. The Color Ministry is hosting a Color Personality Workshop on Saturday, May 23rd in Worthing, England. The Arizoma Academy has scheduled its Color Sacred Geometry, Numbers, the Merkabah Meditation, and the Light Body Part 1 course for Saturday, May 23rd through Monday, May 25th in Tetford, England. And on Sunday, May 31st, Chelsea Hefner presents A California Color, Dying with Native Plants Workshop in Healdsburg, California. And that's what's happening on the color calendar for May. If you would like to contact the organizers of the events mentioned on the show today, or if you have a colorful event that you would like to submit for the color calendar, please email your request to aurahouse at yahoo.com. Many thanks and many blessings to Dougal Fraser for joining us today. To learn more about his work, please visit DougalFraser.com. If you'd like to know more about me, Elaine Marie, please visit my Oraha School of Color and Light website at ColorTherapySchool.com. I'll be back next month with another colorful guest. Until then, no matter how you feel or where on the planet you live, don't forget to stop and enjoy The Pretty Colors.